Welcome to Cross Culture-ish. The podcast where nerdy traveler friends talk about everyday cultural experiences. We're learning a lot and want to learn with you. This process is fun and sometimes it's funny. So why not record it? Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Cross Culturish Podcast, where we talk about culture, travel, different experiences. My name is Marcos. I'm hosting again today, and I'm here with my friend Sarah. Hello. Aliyah. Hi. David. Hello. And Lauren. Hi. And so welcome to another episode. We are so happy we are here. We're so happy to be meeting again. It's good to see you all, by the way. You look great. Thank you. Thanks. In your home, uh, oh, Sarah, your background. Oh, I thought you were background. saying that to our listeners, and I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm saying I'm looking at you through Zoom because we are still in quarantine, and you look great. You look great, Elia. <laughs> I thought it was just one of those, like, hey, listener, you look fab, or like some no. sort of weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, listener, you do look amazing, and if you think you don't look amazing, just send that lie to the pit of hell because that is not true. You look amazing. <laughs> well, now I'm embarrassed. Okay, thanks. Yeah, good to see you, too. <laughs> Um, But today, actually, we were thinking about uh, tackling one of the most talked about phenomena in this quarantine season, and that is Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. Hashtag Hamilfilm. That's right. Hashtag Hamilfilm. It would have been cool if we all got to see Hamilton Mm, in real life. If only. There would have went our retirement. But yes, this is the Hamilton episode. Maybe some of you are tired about talking about Hamilton, (laughs) uh, but we are not. (laughs) So, and boy, it's a good musical. I would like to say now, if you haven't seen it, you should go to Disney Plus, watch it. I found out via my brother that you can't watch it on the trial. Like if you get the trial, it doesn't let you watch it. You actually have to pay. I read about that. I read that they weren't going to let you watch it with the free trial. That's pretty genius of Disney, though, to figure out like that enough people would sign up for the trial just to watch it. They paid some cash for it. So, yeah. I mean, Disney's been shut down, you know, so. Wait, wait, that's a whole other story about Disney not shutting down nonsense. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can't right now. Hashtag too much for 40 minutes. (laughs) I want the nurse's perspective. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. TLDR. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, TLDR. Since we all now know what that term means, it's stupid. I don't understand how you can open up a theme park when your state has the highest number of COVID diagnoses in one day in the entire COVID history. Not COVID history, but they've had the most diagnoses in one day in Florida, the day that it opened. So I don't know how that that makes sense in a public health slash normal person standpoint, but these are not normal times. So hooray for Disney. That should be Florida. Because they paid $75 million for Hamilton and they got to recover those costs somehow. And Lauren, you're completely disregarding how Mickey Mouse feels about this. Maybe he misses the hugs that he gets from millions of people. That's the problem. (laughs) But apparently they don't even do character meet and greets anymore. There's no character meet and greets. Like they show up in like places that are inaccessible, but like are still with like the, that visitors can see. So like they like the wicked stepsisters were on like a terrace of Cinderella's castle or something like that, where you can see them, but you can't touch them. There's no parades. There's no fireworks. There's just like pop up things. So they don't like crowds don't gather on prearranged times. They'll just send out like a parade float at like 1:42 in the afternoon, and then like again like you know three hours later they'll do another parade float. Like that's the from what I've been reading, that's kind of what's going on. 
Are they like sanitizing each cart at Space Mountain? I saw a picture of people sanitizing. They're like sanitizing between riders, I think. That's what I, I saw. I, th- I read something about that. Apparently at Universal, they make you use hand sanitizer before you get on each ride. At Disney, a lot of hand sanitizer. I know, right? At Disney, it's like plentifully available, but they don't make you do it before you get on the ride. But their masks have to be on. At all you can still have hand sanitizer in your hands and cough on the <laughs> <Yeah>. handlebar. <laughs> well, in theory, you're supposed to have a mask on because masks are, are required. Oh, uh, okay. And temperature taking, you could be subject to temperature taking. I read that they changed. Originally, they said you could wear the gator, but now you have to wear an over ear mask. What if you were watching a Disneyland parade and Mickey came out and he was wearing one of those like shields? You know, have you seen the shields like the plastic? What if he was just like, you know, little four foot eleven Mickey out there waving and he's just got this like funny little shield on? Do you get it? Because he has a fake head, so he wouldn't be skating. Yeah, uh, we get it. We get it. Thanks for explaining that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, no one laughed like I was hoping. Our listeners did. I'm I'm just a little concerned that we're losing our Disney sponsorship with this. So I was hoping that we're going to do an episode one day live. I'm sure that Disney's doing a really good job. Or like from Epcot, they're going to be like, these people love travel. They love culture. Let's bring them to Epcot and have them do the World Showcase and do an episode from every country in the World Showcase. It's Disney. Disney, if you're listening, I, was, I still am looking for that endorsement. And you look beautiful out there today, too. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hey, we're to, just keeping it real, Disney. Well, I wanted to put something in my bio about my love for Disney, but honestly, of all the things I could put in, I thought maybe that was the most controversial thing, so I left it off. I don't know about controversial. I think it's fair. I just give you freedom to. You be you. Not that you need you it from you, me, Olivia. but just receive it, and you know, you do you. You're still allowed to like Disney and Disney IPs. But anyways, speaking of Disney IPs, <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> Is an IP of Disney at the moment. <laughs> Do they have like lifetime? Did they buy know. lifetime rights for it? Or I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Lin Well says it's on Disney Plus for like for forever. I mean, it's not coming down anytime soon. So, so all that to say, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Yes, because there will probably be spoilers here. So That's just true. hit the pause button. Go to Disney Plus. Get your subscription. There you go, Disney. Um, yeah. Get your subscription. <laughs> and, and, um, come back and to us in three hours. Come back to us after two and a half, two and a half hours. It was closer to three. 240. Um, but first, before we tackle the musical, it says, I'll tell you what, Lola and I live close to the theater district. We have, for the past six years, uh, lived really close to the theater district in New York City, and we had not seen it, seen it yet live so not because we didn't want to, but because we could never get tickets. Uh, granted, we don't plan ahead, so we could have gotten tickets if we could plan like six, seven months ahead of time, but we don't do that. So Lauren, how many months do you think? It's like nine. It's like nine months out. But when the tickets release, the play the lottery and they're not cheap. So it's really cool that everyone can see it now for the low price of $12.99 or whatever it is at Disney Plus. So anyways, we finally got to see it. It was a treat. But before we dive into that, I want to go into our weekly obsession. This is a segment where we just share what we've been obsessed with this last week. So anyone, uh, Leah, you had mentioned you have a weekly obsession. What are you obsessed with? Thank you for asking. I have two obsessions, which (laughs) will not surprise anyone. Um, My first obsession (laughs) is Eurovision on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, ding dong. Um, What's the full title? Eurovision, A Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Thank you, David. (laughs) That is right. Um, I have already watched it two times through, like, 
sitting watching the whole thing and then two more times as i'm like doing stuff and it's on in the background because number one i am of the will ferrell generation and so i am a firm believer that he's never made a bad movie and i i genuinely love everything that he has ever done (laughs) anchorman is one of my top five favorite movies and eurovision did not disappoint it's lighthearted. it there's good music it's fun. There's a lot of knitting and like Nordic <laughs> knitwear, which I love to knit. And so I loved that. It Rachel McAdams is so fun. Like I, there's so many Secret. things that I loved about it. So that is definitely four times in one week. I would call that an obsession. I could co-sign on that recent obsession too. I think it is fun. It, uh, I would say, relatively lighthearted, entertaining. And uh, this day and age, you don't get a lot of that, you know, mostly heavy stuff. I had no idea that Eurovision was a real thing. So that sent me on this YouTube like rabbit hole of, (laughs) I mean, the four of us together when we were with Marcos and Lauren, we watched, what was it? Like a three hour, (laughs) a three hour Eurovision from it. Like YouTube, we didn't yeah, watch if all you, three if hours. If you want, but... I think they must have published that recently with the release of the movie because on the Eurovision YouTube page they released the whole 2014 final. I think oh, it was okay. published within the last month or something that they posted it on YouTube. Yeah, because there's probably a lot of people <laughs> right. like us who yeah. have never heard of Eurovision before that are going on YouTube and they said, "Here, check this out." Oh yeah, it's them ad yeah. dollars. I think we could do a whole episode because there's really interesting, there's a lot of different cultural perspectives and how certain cultures view other countries. I mean, there's even comments made towards Americans. Like, yeah, I won't go into all of it, but I, I think there's I think there's a, an episode worth of content in Eurovision. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. In addition to Disney+, Plus, you will also need a Netflix <laughs> subscription because it's on yeah. Netflix. <laughs> I am of the large percent that still uses my mom's login, even oh, though I am. Hey, we're trying to get some <laughs> Netflix money. Some. Yeah. <laughs> even though Netflix I'm 31 money. years old. Um, <laughs> my second obsession that actually Lauren turned me on to is making or baking bread. I have successfully started my own sourdough starter. And so I've been making bread and biscuits and everything carbs to ensure that the COVID-19 is successfully uh, accomplished. so yeah. You're saying like the freshman 15, the yeah, COVID-19. Yeah. That was a play on words for anyone yes, yes. Um, that was is confused. That, is that new to you? I'm sorry. I thought that uh, I've heard a lot of people Remember reference Remember those listeners that, that you complimented earlier as being good looking? It could have been taken like you were trying to catch COVID-19. That's oh, what it sounded okay. like, which yeah. I know Lauren would disapprove of. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> So anyway, sourdough yeah. bread and the like is my is my other obsession. That's another one I can co-sign on. What's your favorite bread, David, that Aaliyah has made or a favorite thing that she's made? It has been a shared obsession. It's been very good. <laughs> it uh, It's like a, it's not too sour, but it's a little bit of a sourdough roll and fresh out the oven with a little bit of butter. There's nothing better than fresh baked bread. So I'm all for this new hobby. It's been uh, mutually beneficial. So Aaliyah enjoys the process. I enjoy the consumption. There's nothing like taking raw ingredients that are nothing and turning them into something completely different with your own two hands and like a whole bunch of time and some heat. But um, yeah, there's nothing like making your own bread and eating it. It's really fun. 
It's, what did you tell me? It's flour, water, and a little bit of salt. Yep. And a little bit of love. And a whole lot of like care. My gosh. Yeah, that's the surprising part is how you have to tend to this thing. You have to care for it. You have to you have to feed it. You have to warm it. You have to like make sure it floats. I mean, all these things where I'm like, what the heck? But it's been fun to learn. <laughs> it's a whole new like vocabulary. Yeah. And it's science, Marcos. You would like it. It's it like, is, you know. Yeah. We watched something on Netflix a number of years ago. We actually lived in Mexico. So it was at least four, if not five years ago. And it was a special on food. I forget what it was called. It was really good. And they talked about that natural sourdough starter, how you leave. It was called Water Heat Fermentation. Yeah. That's the name oh, of the yeah. book. We yeah, watched that one. Well, is it? There's the no, girl, Salmon, Samin, Salmon, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. who has the, she has the, it's. Salt, acid, fat, heat. Yeah, it's but salt, this was a fat, different thing. acid, heat, because I'm looking at the cookbook now across the room. So it's salt, fat, acid, Heat. No, but I know what you're talking about. It's a different. But it's a different program. It's a different, right. they, each it's episode a, yeah. was a different. Yeah, like, on like the elements was, of cooking. Exactly yes. that yes. one. Yes, that, yes. One. Yes. that yes. one. So what we did is we took flour and water and we set it on our counter and we left it out and we didn't understand the actual process of making a natural sourdough. So we just left it on the counter for at least a week, if not longer. <laughs> I can't believe you're using we language right now. That's really nice. But yeah, we did that. <laughs> Rule number one of improv is you don't disagree with the direction that they're going. <laughs> Help me understand the difference between you letting it sit on the counter and me letting it sit on the counter for a week. We let it sit on the counter for over a week. So, then Aaliyah, then Aaliyah put it into a bread loaf pan. I don't know what we did. Yeah. And we put it in the oven. And baked it. Wait, just the... <laughs> and it was horrible. <laughs> I think I mean, added, I think was I mean added some fresh flour, but like I didn't feed it at all. I just, no, it just we sat did. out on the counter. We just put it into a thing and we baked it. And it yeah. tasted like garbage. <laughs> but how much... Well, we we decided it was time to bake it because it stopped like bubbling and we're like, oh, it must have run out of like food or whatever. That is true. And so then we just <laughs> threw it in the oven and it it tasted like garbage. So uh, it's not this, really bread. So That's just did like it rise? No, it, it didn't really rise. It was no. kind of like it was like hardtack kind of like sour <laughs> hardtack. So let me just say five years you basically removed. ate yeast. <laughs> cooked, cooked yeast. <laughs> five years removed. Five years five years removed from that. This is a much better experience. So uh, so yeah, it's been great. This has been amazing. Which Lauren, thank you for sharing Good job, your guys. wisdom Good job. with us. <laughs> oh, with you're Aaliyah. very Aaliyah, welcome. Thank I'm you glad for... you have caught the bread baking bug. Yes, it's yes. so much fun. So we're just eating bread and watching Eurovision. Those are our obsessions. That is a wonderful way to spend quarantine time. Yep. Thank you so much for sharing that weekly obsession. It surely <laughs> made me chuckle. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, I want to move to any culture clashes. We also talk about weekly culture clashes. These are times where it could be a big thing or is a small thing, but it's good to be aware that the fact that my worldview isn't necessarily the same as everyone else's worldview. And there's times that that clashes. It could be funny. It could be sad. It could be angry or, or hostile. Um, did anyone have any culture clashes this week? Mine's a little bit of both. I think in addition to the joy that Eurovision has brought us recently, we also have watched, Marcos, you're going to love this, uh, Money Heist. Oh, or so La Casa de Papel. La Casa oh, de Papel. So good. <laughs> so just 
Spoiler alert, maybe. And Don't if you have not it. watched La Casa de Papel, getting there. watch it. I'm in the middle. Oh, you're watching it now? Yeah, I'm watching it now. That's why I don't want you to spoil it. Oh, oh. is it a recent obsession? Uh, no, not quite or obsession. Not quite, not quite not there to yet. The, not to the four times a week that Aaliyah's obsession Sarah is. has self-control yeah. that I do not, basically. <laughs> you just have to get through season one and then it'll okay, become okay. an obsession. It was, a, it, was a, it was a bingy week for us here in Washington. We watched a good amount of TV over the last like weekend, week or so. And one of those things was La Casa de Papel. What felt like a small culture clash to me is that my Spanish is a very influenced by Latin America. We lived in the Dominican Republic. We lived in Mexico. Even when I was in high school and took Spanish, it was taught by Latinos. And so watching it, we decided to watch it in Spanish uh, it's dubbed in English. I know a lot of people have watched it that way, but it was made in Spain, in España. And so we España, watched it. España. <laughs> oh, they don't do the... Th- so the th- th- is only when it's C-I or C-E. So you would say like canción, but you wouldn't say España. And the Zs, don't forget Perfect the Zs. Perfect transition. Nerd Perfect moment. transition to the culture clash. <laughs> nerd, nerd moment. Yeah. So we decided to listen to this original Spanish audio. It's tough. To understand because the Spanish de España accent is so strong. We put the closed captions on in Spanish. So that that in that sense, that was a ton of fun to engage the Spanish part of my brain that's been mostly uh, disengaged the last few years since we haven't lived uh, in Latin America. But I just found myself like listening and there was a bit of culture clash, maybe not the right word, but that tension, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking hey, that's not how I pronounce the word. They're pronouncing that word not wrong, but it kind of feels that tension, right? The way that you right. learn language, the way that you learn, especially as a Spanish language learner, you know, I learned it one way and internalized mm-hmm. it as like, this is the way to do it. And so then to listen to it could really feel that. And, and yeah, it was challenging, but I enjoy the challenge. So we stayed to it and stayed committed to the cause. <laughs> and um, Did I you finish all of it? We, we did, did finish wow, all of good it, job, yeah. guys. Did you like it? I like season one and two better than season three and four. Yeah, Really? Yeah, I thought same. three was the best. Four was a little too crazy, but I thought three was the best. And two I was... like one and two. I like one and two. It's just nice. I don't want to give any spoilers, but yeah, I, I, I really like it. it. Favorite city? Favorite city? Like Persona? Denver. It's also it's funny because their accents vary mm-hmm. yes. too. Like it's their regional accents in Spain. So Denver has like a very more like the equivalent to like a Cockney accent in England, where it's like it sounds a little bit less posh, yeah. if you will. Um, whereas and so does um Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Her accent is also more like street, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, street. Whereas like El Profesor and um, Berlin yeah. like have more yeah. more of a more mm-hmm. high and then there's the Argentinian guy has a completely mm-hmm. different accent right. altogether. He's a uh, Palermo. Palermo, yeah. He's from Argent- Argentina, so Je he has an Argentinian accent. So. Palermo. Mm-hmm. Je Palermo. What I was saying about money heist, uh, La Casa de Papel is that like it's just really cool to see like it's definitely an action movie but there's that hispanic cultural drama in it too that is a little bit telenovela like Mm -hmm. in it but it's not too much but at times you're like oh wow like there's a big emphasis in that like 
Spanish like love story component to it, you know. And so the it's it's just I pick up on stuff like that because I don't see that in Hollywood, right? Because it's just a different cultural framework. Yeah. Whereas in Bollywood, you might see different cultural values. And so it first started out like, wow, this seems like more home-like. And then I was able to like kind of put two and two together. And then there's this really cool elation of like, wow, like the whole world gets to see that part, you know, and there's this representation piece that was like really cool yeah. um, as well. So anyways. You're trying to make an argument for this to be a full episode. You've tried to make it before. You're continuing to make it. We, I mean, we can. We can. We can do a full uh, hey, episode you said, on money. You said the words yeah. and not me. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, sharing your obsessions and uh, the culture clashes. And so now Alexander Hamilton. Another Puerto Rican in the general. <laughs> We are not going to sing for you. You're not, I don't, I know, I don't know if you we guys can. To, like, jump into no. it, but. Disney's going to come knocking again if we start. <laughs> no, no. We promoted Disney Plus. We said, hey, go get it. <laughs> Just be like. So I'm curious to hear. Not everyone's into musical theater. You know, I get that it's not a... I think everyone, mostly people here do like it in this group, but not everyone's into musical theater. Yeah. I've been watching all this other YouTube videos and stuff. And then when you... When you pitch it, right, it's not a really good pitchable musical. It's like, hey, there's this is a musical about Alexander Hamilton, the founding father. It's like, oh, by the way, and it's wrapped. Like, it just doesn't yeah. sound like it's going to be good. Like, it doesn't sound. So, I don't know. How did you all uh, approach the musical? And did you like it? Did you not like it? Like, what? I just have only heard good things. So you have to kind of approach it with like, it's probably going to be good. But again, like you said, it's a bad sell. So, but honestly, the whole time I sat there and watched it, it was kind of this, like, I just, I don't know, kind of open mouth to like, seriously, like you can't even, you can't. I think the thing is, is the people who've said it's good really can't. And even I can't now tell you why really. And I think that's kind of like, I approached it with like, okay, people said it's good, but they'd never give you like a ton of details. And so then when you're watching it, you're like, oh, but even then I can't really explain all the reasons why I do that. It's just, it's so interesting. My coworker, we were talking about it last night at work and my coworker has seen it twice on Broadway. Um, She plans her life in advance and can do these things. And she says it's even better live because they have some of the choreography the angle that they show you in the movie is great, but then it's set for the stage. So when you come down to like a mezzanine or like a rear, or, you know, the orchestra view, your choreography changes. So she's like the intricacies of satisfied and helpless when that, you know, when all that happens, she's like to see that from a fourth wall point from the audience point of view is so it's a different level of intricacy than it is from your filmed version, even though she's like, both are great, but she's like, it's, you even take a little bit more from it being live. Yeah. I guess like, like simultaneous action. Yeah. Would be, see ever, you know, and see just better. the way that it's layered and like the way that you see it and like the way that every, like the actors intersect and um, like what's going on, like underneath the eaves and things like that. When you see it all in front of you, it's a different, I mean, there's no, there's no replacing live theater. Did she see the original cast? No, I don't think she saw a lot of original cast. Lauren, speaking of original cast, what's your biggest uh, regret? 
when it comes to Hamilton. Not seeing Hamilton, my best friend told me to go see it while I was at the public, and he got to see it standing room only because he had a friend that was working on the production, um, in the production of like the workshops and stuff like that. And he said it was amazing, and he said you should go see it. And I was like, oh, it's like the next Wicked. I'll get to it eventually. No big deal. And then like <laughs> Obama showed up to go see it, and then it like exploded, and then. Fast forward five years and I still haven't seen it. And to this day, I still kick myself for not like jumping on it the moment that it opened up on Broadway and getting in on the the first rush <laughs> and seeing like original cast or seeing it at all because I still have not. I was thinking about this. In 2015, we lived in Mexico. So I don't know if we got the buzz right there at the forefront of it. But we moved back to California in the fall of 2016. Is that right, Aaliyah? Yeah. So I think by then there was some buzz to it. And I would say we're casual musical theater fans. I'm trying to think when it kind of crossed my path, but the first time I heard about it, it was big. That was the message that I got, right? Like, hey, this is this big thing. You need to see it. Or you probably won't be able to see it at that point, but it's great. Like there's this awesome thing coming along. And I think my first real access to it, I remember they released the Hamilton mixtape. I don't remember when that came out, but like different it came artists. came out like a year later after it like opened on Broadway or something like that. Which yeah. is great. Like different artists yeah. did their, you know, renditions of it. And that's when I started listening to music. I'm like, oh, this is really good. But I listened to some of the original cast recording, but I never listened to it all the way through. So to sit down and watch it, what day did it come out? The third, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. July 3rd. It was incredible. Like when I watch movies, I like to turn off all the lights. I like to turn the sound up, get the environment. I was trying to make it feel like I was in the theater. I, I thought about putting a sheet over the TV, you know, to like really make it in there. We didn't go that far. But I mean, my eyes started watering. I was tearing up from just the emotion of how powerful it is. And I couldn't help it because I appreciated that in the film, they included the audience track mm -hmm. so as soon as the the first song ended i was clapping like i was in real life you know i just couldn't help myself we from clapping after every song like every and time yeah, the audience so then, clapped, we, just then, naturally we just started clapping, clapping after every song because it was just natural so like, wow that yeah. was that was really good i i hope they could hear me but i totally impressed the the thought that it came out of basically one person's mind lynn manuel miranda is just that was one of the most i'm watching this whole thing thinking Someone like this is good, right? But someone wrote this. That is just mind boggling to me. So, when did you start tearing up? You said you teared up. Do you at remember? At the very beginning. <laughs> like, <laughs> start at the very beginning. At the very beginning. Like, I don't. Just when it goes, dun, 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 dun. maybe just a few How bars does a in. Poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> How does a poor boy? <laughs> I forget what the line is. How See, does it, is it a man? <laughs> Bastard or son, yeah. son no. of a whore oh, yeah, and yeah. a Scotsman. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> um, now we just had to lift it up to PG 13. Oh, that's one thing we could maybe talk about this that Disney cut mm -hmm. out the F bombs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was interesting that they did that. I get so that. So that more yeah. people could watch it. But it's really, it's like, is one F bomb really going to, I guess, no, because that, I'm not yeah, saying as a brand yeah. too. Like, Disney's that not allowed to have the F rating. words. It on raises anything. the rating. Yeah. So they had to be PG 13. So they wanted to keep mm. it PG 13. And so as soon as you drop an F bomb, mm. it becomes R. I thought you get one F bomb. Actually, you can, in a PG you can drop one F bomb in PG 13. Okay, fine. But there's four in the show, apparently. <laughs> Marcos and I know because we've been working on our screenplay. We're like, how do <laughs> yeah. we have a PG 13 movie with an F bomb? <laughs> no, but I think that uh, Disney has a policy. It's part of their brand, right? Like, it's a branding thing. Disney doesn't have any R movies. None? I don't think so. Yeah. 
Well, think of one. Do you know one? I don't know. No. Sure. Anyways, I'm, I'm still curious. When did when 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 did you when tear up? In the, I mean, within the first few measures, I think like it was before it was before uh, Alexander Hamilton even came out. I mean, he comes out to the Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It was before that. So it's just I don't know. It was powerful. The music, yeah. the whole yeah. thing, yeah. the stage. It's just it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. There was a moment that that caught me by surprise where I got the feels and then I actually read something or maybe was watching a YouTube video and they like affirmed it. Like when they're singing their first like like drinking song, like uh, when they're drinking together, like the raise a glass to freedom, that part like where there was and not to sound too crunchy or too like uh, emotional, but like the fact of having like two Latino men and mm-hmm. two black men like yeah. singing like brotherly like that. Like I don't, that's not a depiction that we see often, mm-hmm. like being tender with each other in the manly way. Like it was still like a, it was, it was manly, but it was tender and it was, it was very touching. Like it was, it was, they really depicted that brotherhood feel, which I don't know if a lot of black and Latino characters are depicted that way yeah. which i thought was really cool that we just watched an interview with leslie odom jr and that's what he said drew him to the show he watched like a first reading or something and he saw that and he said i, I had never seen that before maybe that's what you noticed but we just so watched maybe him what I, say, but i remember like feeling like like being emotional then like just being like wow like this is a really moving part and then for some reason and maybe i need to process this a little bit more the song when like eliza was saying which again, it isn't for me the highlight of the show, but for some reason it moved me a lot when she was singing like, "Hey, like I'm enough. Mm-hmm. Like what you got here is enough. Like what's what's up with you? Like this is enough. Like look where mm-hmm. look look around, right? Like that like was super moving too. Like I was like, oh my gosh. Like I don't know. I felt it. I felt it mm-hmm. in that moment too. How about you, Sarah? There's a level of like deepness to his lyrics. Like, okay, like it's genius in terms of like rap and rhythm and all the words that he uses. But then there's these songs that come in that are like, I don't, yeah, they like get you because they're really deep, but in a like very simple way um, that really apply to everyone. I don't know. I loved that. But honestly, what I loved is the rewind scene with yeah. Satisfied. Yeah. It's Best. probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs, but just like wasn't expecting so it at all. Cause again, first time watching. So like she like starts doing this toast and then all of a sudden it just like the choreography, like just moving into like rewind. I, oh, it was like, I, I don't know. I don't even have words. Like it was just so good. Yeah, yeah, that part was mm-hmm. good. That was probably one of That's the times, I think there are a few times, and we just watched it last night also again, the full thing, knowing that we were going to have this <laughs> conversation. There's a few times that I always look over to Aaliyah, and my thinking is, like, is this real life? Are we really watching that? And that was by far that choreography. Because again, like maybe listening to some of the songs and know it, but never listening to the full thing and not knowing the full story, that song in the context of the, the whole story it's just unbelievable. It's so good. And then the choreography too, kind of to Lauren, your point, like that's the thing, man, I wish I could see it in real life because as the camera cuts and you see different close-ups in the film, it's awesome. But I mean, just thinking about what that looks like with the whole stage moving, I mean, gosh, it's so good. Aliyah, I know one of the things that I appreciate about you as a friend and person is that you wear your emotions on your sleeve. So I'm sure that there were some moving moments for you like what what are you thinking (laughs) yeah i think the most moving moments for me watching were tended to be more with the female characters especially angelica i mean 
Sarah, I think you had said like you were watching with your mouth open, just like in in shock and awe. And Angelica, for me, Renee, um, what, rem, help me with your name, Renee, Renee Goldberry. Yes, thank you. She is like a powerhouse, and mm. so her incredible talent mixed with her character. I just found her stage presence to be incredibly moving. This woman who is is educated and who has so much that she can bring, but also feels a, a family responsibility and a social responsibility to marry a certain type of man, even though she loves Alexander Hamilton. And so that whole dynamic of her heart really loving someone, but then this this social pressure of feeling an expectation to marry someone different. And I don't know, just that whole dynamic. Yeah. Mixed with like her wild pipes were just like very emotional for me. So it's, it's very funny because, um, so I work really close to Trinity church. In fact, like right next door, like I can see Alexandra Hamilton's grave from my window. When we visited you at work, we made a point to walk down and pay our respects. Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> waiting for you to be done with your meeting and, or something. When we were waiting frankly, for you to have lunch. <laughs> frankly, it's so annoying because I, not that you guys were waiting for me, but just every time <laughs> I try to go get lunch from work, like I have to dodge like the amount of people that are trying to get into Trinity Church and there's construction and, and it's just like a nightmare. I'm like trying to rush to get like a sandwich or something. And I knew that because of the musical, like they have had much more traffic at Trinity Church and and all that and like I, I just would roll my eyes but now in like hindsight I'm like I if I was like if I didn't work literally feet away from his grave I would make sure to stop and quote unquote pay my respects to and the fact that Angelica is buried right next to him yeah not right next but pretty close actually and in, in, in proximity in to him and and it was pretty like uh there's a romantic irony, right? Like there as well. Um, you can probably expect more people going forward. I know. Yeah, I, know. I was for thinking real. about that. I mean, we're not, I don't know when we're going back to the office, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Literally, I need to walk like a block and it's like playing American Ninja Warrior trying to like dodge <laughs> everyone. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all the tourists from World Trade Center and from... The Hamilton gravesite. If any, I don't want to discourage anyone from going to see yeah. the gravesite. It's like a place get out of Marcos's way when he's trying to get a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. see Marcos, just, just, just remember, him. just PSA, if you're a tourist in New York, just remember there's people that need to walk at faster pace the, That's on the, the most sidewalk. New York thing to say. You guys care yeah. so much about the sidewalks and how slow yeah, tourists keep walk. keep it flowing. It's a yeah, thing. Keep it flowing. <laughs> I, I know it's um, a thing. It's just like, it's also the most New York thing to complain about <laughs> tourists on the sidewalk. <laughs> People want to pay their respects to Alexander Hamilton, and all you care about is a sandwich. He's like, man, I need to get my bagel. (laughs) They're like touched by this musical. They just have this new awareness for life. And you're like, I need a hot dog. I've only got 30-minute break. Trying to get my dog. Who's everyone's favorite character? That's what I want to know. If you had to pick one, who's everyone's favorite character? Like the whole that the person that portrays them and the and the and the way they fit in the story. Like if you have to mix the two, together. I honestly loved Amber. Yeah, like so good. Uh, like I think he was probably my favorite character. He's definitely like an anti-hero. Like he's not he's not a straight up villain, right? But his story, uh, like he's his story is so compelling, 
Right, and it's and you feel bad for him, and at the same time, like, but also his song is awesome. Like, wait for it is such a good All song. So like, um, and Usher does a great job at it too. Also, Sia does an amazing job at Satisfied. Oh my gosh! But um, on the mixtape, like on Aaron Burr, like like he's kind of a jerk, but you kind of feel bad for him at the same time. And like Alexander Hamilton's a tool too at times, right? Like he's a total d bag at times, but but you also like aspire his or or admire his ambition. But Aaron Burr is like waiting for his turn, and he just like doesn't get it. Like you know, what I mean, like it's yeah. just not good enough, right? And like it's his story is he must feel like I'm just not good enough. I just not good enough. Like what the heck? Like and so I don't know. I honestly the portrayal of Aaron Burr I thought was the most brilliant because he's also like an and i think this is what the musical does an obscure character that's only known in history because he killed alexander hamilton right and like that's it i was gonna say my only knowledge of hamilton before this music was the got milk commercial (laughs) it's the got milk commercial Do you guys all no. remember that? It was, I mean, no. mid late yes, 90s. I the Got Milk exactly. commercial. I, that's the only reason I knew Aaron Burr from. Yeah. What? It, what are you talking about? Are, you guys don't remember no. it? Well, but Look what it up year on was YouTube. This? Was so, it in America? So, I, I don't. It, no, maybe 90s. you weren't. Yeah, this so, is probably some missed, some missed years for Sarah. Yeah. There you go. During the height of the Got Milk campaign, sponsored by the Milk Farmers of America, they had a beautiful milk commercial. Where I just watched it on YouTube, so I can I can remember it much more clearly. It cuts to a guy who's this Hamilton aficionado. He's got artifacts saved. He's got posters and and everything. And he's listening to the radio. And over the radio, they talk about a trivia contest. And the trivia question is, who shot Alexander oh, Hamilton? And he doesn't have the milk, and so he can't get to the swallow Aaron the cookies because he's yes. eating cookies. He's, he's eating peanut butter on bread. Thick yes. oh, peanut butter was, on yeah. bread. Yeah. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna call that random listener." And he takes a bite of the peanut buttery bread, and sure enough, kind of it's his phone this now, actually. And and then the the guy who shot Alexander like, Hamilton, and he's got the peanut butter in his mouth. And, and he has a painting on the wall that says A. Burr. And that says A. Burr. And then it ends with the got milk. That's the only reason I knew those two and people he in says history. That, you know, he goes, when, even when he's like, you know, we're sorry. You did not answer fast enough. He just goes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're like, weepy, the weepy. <laughs> That's the only reason I knew who Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr were mm. prior to this musical. Not that he's on the $10 bill or anything. Exactly. Yeah, no. I was just going to say yeah. that. <laughs> if you had asked me who was on the $10 bill, I would have said, I don't know about $10 bills. I really wouldn't have known. But who's on that Got Milk commercial? <laughs> <You'd be> like, <laughs> so yes, a, a compelling, a compelling uh, figure in history that I only knew as the Got Milk commercial. It's good answer. advertising, good marketing. Yeah. We're looking for that milk sponsor too. Here's, got Milk was the Geico before Geico was a thing. Such good commercials. Who shot Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> so, anyways, that's my favorite character. I don't know, Aaron Burr. I would say a toss-up between Eliza and Philippa Sue's um, portrayal of her was, like, super awesome. Be- one, she can sing like no other in just a really pretty effortless way and the way she acted the part. And I really keep coming back to, like, the last moment of the of the musical. And I've read, like, a bunch and read, like, an interview with her about, like, what that means, which I won't. Like we can't, we don't have to discuss that now, but it's a very um, interesting way to end the show and it leaves it kind of up for interpretation, not as like to what happened, but how, what the last moment looks like, what that means. And apparently it's different for every Eliza. Oh. 
because I was curious. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're talking about so this. So apparently they, um, the creative team sits down with every Eliza and kind of explains what it could mean. And then they leave it up to them. And it's whatever they choose to make that final image look like, that final scene look like. And Philippa Sue says she's like, she thinks it's like a combination of a bunch of different, of a couple different theories, which I think is like really awesome. Um, so I just like her as a actress and a singer. And um, Eliza was a really awesome person in history, having read the biography of Alexander Hamilton. Like she really did some awesome stuff and that orphanage and all her, and her legacy was really phenomenal. But I also like David Diggs and Thomas Jefferson, his Lafayette and, and Jefferson, yeah. juxtaposition. His juxtaposition and so the way good. that he was able to rap Love in it. rudimentary so English good. and then with a French accent and like, like then faster French English <laughs> with a French accent. <laughs> yeah. Anarchy. Um, I mean, what do you say? Anarchy. 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 And and then how he like completely like in one act like completely switched his persona yeah. and in another phenomenal way portrayed uh, Thomas Jefferson in such a crazy depiction. This jaunty, like I kept picturing, like the guy, like the frog from WB, like that's oh, what yes. I guess. He's like, yeah. Jason hello, did. my baby. Hello, my yeah. darling. Hello. Yes. He, yes. Like so I thought he did a fantastic job as well. His um, walk as Jefferson was oh, so, it's just great. Like so good. Yeah, he was my favorite. Which brings me to a great point that I was going to make a little bit later, but now we're talking about Thomas Jefferson. Like one of the things that I think is just brilliant is how the, especially in these times, like the even though the musical came out. Five years ago, six years ago, it was written even, you know, before that's been workshopped. It it treats controversial issues in what I feel like is a honorific way, like in a way that that I think it's it's missing in a lot of the conversation now, where it treats every character as like a complex human being. And while there's like horrible things and horrible aspects that should not be brushed under the rug, like for example, like when I meet Thomas Jefferson, right, I want him to write women in the sequel. And the fact that Thomas Jefferson's like, oh, wait, like, you're not really doing the work. Like, you're a slave owner. The fact that uh, George Washington was a slave owner, but he was against slavery. Right. Like, I mean, like, there's all these, like, different that it doesn't it doesn't excuse the mistakes. Right. It doesn't excuse that Alexander Hamilton, like, basically announces his infidelity before talking to his wife to the whole world. Right. Like, it, even, you know, about it. So weird. Um, it doesn't excuse these these not only that he was unfaithful, but that, like, the whole world knew about it at the same time as his, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, and so it, it doesn't excuse those things, but it also like doesn't pigeonhole the characters in their flaws as well. And that like, I think it's more relatable to know that there is really crappy and horrible aspects to people, but that there's also other aspects that are also relatable that we could aspire to. And you can do that without excusing the bad stuff. And so I, I thought that that it's a tricky mm-hmm. line to walk and on and well. i thought the musical did that really yeah. really well so too. really well you know yeah. some people say that they don't go that some of the criticism of hamilton especially in the current social climate is that it doesn't go far enough to expose the sins of the founding fathers like kind of just it like yes it does highlight them but it doesn't like it kind of glosses over them as well um and so it doesn't take as strong of a stand to be like hey this is wrong which i appreciate hard to like say exactly how i feel about how far does theater go in that how you know does it have to be responsible for everything and all things when it comes to social commentary but some of the criticism now about hamilton is that it doesn't hamilton the show is that it doesn't go as far as people would like on to commentate about the evils of the founding fathers like that they weren't 
this like high and mighty people to kind of. And I'm sure there's always going to be people that like, I mean, there's people that wanted to tear down the Washington monument, right? Like there's people that wanted to tear down like the statue of George Washington because he was a slave owner. And regardless on how someone feels about that, right? Like it's telling a story and I'm not here to defend Washington or not. Like I just, I appreciate that there's a, a lens now for acknowledgement and that you can still choose to tell what story you want to tell. I, in my opinion, you can still choose to there. There's definitely admirable qualities to people. And I don't know. I think it was a good counter argument to cancel culture in a way that they mm-hmm. treated something about saying, no, 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 like this is for real. And this was a thing and you have to live with it too. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to live with this horrible thing, but don't look at one thing blindly. Like, right. Like, and, and I also recognize that I'm saying that as a male, I'm saying that as a, Latino male, right? Like, um, I'm not black. Uh, uh, so I don't, this is just obviously my perspective in my opinion, but, but I, in such a polarizing dynamic that we live right now, like it's cool to see nuance. And I felt like there was nuance. It might've not like gone on one direction over the other, but I felt like it embraced complexity. And I just don't see that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. often anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think to your point, Lauren, what's the role of art? I see it as something, at least from this, that I've already learned more about Alexander Hamilton and the Founding Fathers. As the musical has piqued my interest, I think the night that we watched Hamilton, or maybe the night after, we watched a whole History Channel documentary about Hamilton. And so if that furthers the conversation and the thinking and the study for people... I mean, and then good on it. I mean, to get people to think yeah, through. Oh, of course, those of things. course. Yeah. And one thought that I had, and kind of related to what you're saying, David, is the accessibility of Hamilton being on Disney Plus. Right? Like tickets have. Everyone knows that tickets are hard to get. They're expensive. That you have to enter a lottery, or you know, whatever the process is. Plus, it also. I think Broadway in general reflects a certain demographic. It represents a certain amount of cultural mobility that that certain people can experience Broadway while others can't. So I just think the idea of Hamilton being on on Disney Plus is a really fascinating look at accessibility to something that in my mind can represent something that is perceived to be elite. And so to have this sort of to have the opportunity to to watch and partake and learn from it as a as a beautiful piece of art the question that i ask myself is should more things be this accessible because mm-hmm. i i think it it does tell an important story and yet up until july 3rd there was a small portion of people that could even be exposed to that or even sit under that and so what i took away when i was done watching it the first time is i just thought it's amazing that people can access this and that it's no longer for only the elite that can get their hands on tickets. I just think it's 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 a piece of art that should be shared. And adding to that complexity too, like like there's a lot of rhetoric, right? Like anti big corporation, anti these things and and yes, be, I'm not a big corporation lover, like you know, I, I there's there's certain like inherent evils there too, as we actually, I think, are planning to talk in one of the episodes as well <laughs> about philanthropy and, and big corporations. But my big beef with Hamilton in the past, and I told Lauren, was like, like, yeah, we're celebrating how there's a bunch of minorities here and stuff like that, but like, no minority can go see it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, now, and that's an overarching statement, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's sure. a, a, I get that that's a sweeping statement as well. But then at the same time, I was celebrating 
well, but it's really cool. Like Broadway is a very white thing. So, so as to show wh- white people that, Hey, like this is a lot of talent that's coming from just all minorities with statement in and of itself. Uh, right. And then I know that there's like after school programs and stuff like that, that like the company and the production company yeah. has done to like yep. make it more accessible. So I don't want to like say that that's not happening, but I was speaking it's more weird in terms like of Broadway how, in general. Like, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird that like, it's cool that a minority voice has been able to work and operate in an elite setting yeah. and then use power channels like Disney yep. and to, to transmit like a really cool message. It's just com- complex, right? Like what I'm saying is it is complex and it's a beautiful and complex thing all over. You know what I mean? So now I, I do have a question for y'all and I, I, I think I'm going to maybe share my thoughts after you, you all share, because even though I am an American, I feel like my perspective is a little bit different. Do you feel like there's anything very quote unquote American about the musical? And why has the musical done so well in the United States? I think there's a few things. I mean, the things that I first and foremost think about is the very American, like rebellious way of like going out and doing our own thing, like that very individualistic part of culture that is very, really is very American. And so within the show, I mean, you do kind of see that where it's just like, we're not going to do what you tell us to do. We're going to do, you know, just kind of that the beginning of America's story that just kind of was rooted in that, like, we want to do our own thing. And then what I also saw, so you guys can comment to that, but then what I also saw was just that, that immigrant story was, was kind of brought back in, which I feel like, I mean, this could be controversial, but I feel like it's a narrative that has been tried to be taken out of the American story. And I feel like it really Mm -hmm. is a part of our American story. And I, I really did appreciate and loved how he brought in like the immigrant story and how there's so much to be said for who America is based on like the immigrant, like people coming here because that's who we are. Every American is an immigrant. So, so I thought those two things are what stood out to me as being like American. If that answers your question, those are the couple things. It does. It does. Um, actually, I have a comment to that, but I want to hear what other people have to say first. Yeah. My instincts is Yes because I know that the full name of Hamilton is a, is Hamilton an American musical. (laughs) Um, And I mean, looking through like the big picture lens of culture, it obviously happened. It was written by a Puerto Rican American dude in America about American history. So, you know, kind of to Sarah's point, those key markers of American culture and the, the fact that it's about the history of America makes this thing very American. One totally side thought, to share though is I was watching an interview with Lynn Manuel Miranda and he was talking about its reception in other countries because they have like a show in London and he said it's interesting to see the things that a British audience responds to yeah. like the things that they laugh at the things that they're moved by and he said it actually is quite noticeable so I mean it was a short interview I don't know how much I can draw from that but I think to your question yeah there's something about an American audience watching it something about a non-American audience watching it and yeah i guess those are my thoughts for right now yeah i think my favorite line one of my favorite lines is angelica's line is like and when i see thomas jefferson i'm gonna compel him to put women in the sequel and and that always gets a rise out of the audience and you get a great reaction and it's it is cool i feel like that was like one of the more true like american like moments like the yeah but you should put women in, in this in the sequel at, in quote unquote reflects the 
in some ways still ongoing struggle that American that women in America are facing to this day is that we still aren't in the sequel um, in a lot of ways um, through pay gaps and uh, all those other things. And that's a whole other podcast episode. But um, yeah, I feel like it, in that way it is an American musical and it highlights the imperfections and in progressness of America. Yeah. I think to that, Lauren, I, I felt similarly, even, I think I was influenced by some some extracurricular uh, interviews as well because I I was watching a lot on YouTube. But even the the choice to highlight the Skyler sisters and their role and what it meant to be female and a wife and a mother and all of those things like at that time, but also to reflect in some ways, right? Like that we're still not there yet and. Unfortunately, I saw that as a very American thing. So I agree. I I noticed that as well. And that stood out to me. I think the other thing that I was actually kind of surprised by is the set design. I think knowing that it was a music or a, you know, a, a Broadway production based on the founding fathers, I expected there to be a lot of quote unquote American memorabilia or like I kind of expected like a big flag to be in the background or something that would just like reek of of America. <laughs> like the Hall of Americana, Presidents yeah. from uh, yeah, Disney. Lots yeah. of Americana. But actually, like the set is is incredibly humble in such a way. And and I, I, I did watch some interviews about that and how the, the set design was. The hope was that it would, would in some ways reflect the slave ships that America's founded on, right? Like in, and in that regard, it kind of was not what I expected culturally. And I appreciated that. I think it's just interesting. And this could be a different podcast too. Um, and David, uh, before I say something, do you want to say something? Hamilton 2.0. Yeah, no, it's just funny how like even the 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 question, the answer to the question, like when I think about America, what's American, I think about like what's like ideology in the culture, and it's just interesting. Like Lauren, and not that your answer is any better or worse, but Lauren and Aaliyah, you think in terms of like as a more insider, like what speaks to me as like this is America that it's in progress, and for me, I'm thinking because in some ways I I am American, but like the I don't think of myself as American at times because of the weird relationship that Puerto Rico has. And so, so where I'm thinking like the ideology of other, you are thinking of like, okay, how are we continuous effort, like a continuer that that's still working. And I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to point out that difference in perspective. Of oh, I was just going to say, and in some ways a callback to my own question, I think my answer changes because I've been listening to the soundtrack, but I think today my answer for one of my favorite characters is George Washington played by mm. Christopher Jackson. And I noticed the myself, and even in that audio track from the audience, like when he's first introduced, here comes the general. Yeah. There's just this like, yes, George Washington. <laughs> like, it's very American. Which yeah. to me is just, to your <laughs> question, it's like the mm. bullseye on the target of how American mm. is this? Well, when George Washington comes out, I just like, I'm like, yeah, get him, George. <laughs> but then, I mean, his songs are really good. The world has its eyes on you. So good. Yeah. Um, it, it, or history funny. has its eyes on you. History, history, history has, has its eyes on you. Yeah, yeah. And it, and that's that's really interesting. I think that if you're an American and 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 not not I'm not talking about people in this in in the podcast, but maybe some of the, our listeners, like as an American, it's hard to sometimes know or identify what makes me an American. Besides, like Fourth of July, you know, you, you yeah. hear these things as like, well, we have no culture and stuff like that, and that is far from it like you know like it's a it's a lie like like 
most people don't feel that way about George Washington. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Not because, like, um, I certainly didn't. Like, George Washington was probably my least favorite character in the whole... Really? Yeah. I mean, not, See, I, I thought, hate him. I but thought like, him being played by a person of color was one of the most prominent, like, juxtapositions of that. And I know every character yeah. like that's some of that juxtaposition and how do they say it america then portrayed by america now mm-hmm. but that because like george washington's so iconic that for him yeah. to be played by a person of color was just like what if that was the story like that and that and contrast to say like for me the american-ness of it it's funny so i knew i read enough and i knew enough about the revolutionary war enough to get a good grade on my ap history test but it was always there was always a disconnect like for me american history was always so boring and was so selfish like it always felt like really selfish really it's all about us it's all about what we want the musical in a way like says no latinos and african-americans are american too you know they're american and and there was a connection there for me where like sarah was saying where like the immigrant story is an american story i've heard that before but i've never seen that right like and and that was a bridge for me as an american someone who was born with a social security number and a american citizenship to like connect to the founding fathers that i had never had and while the narrative of a puerto rican in new york is different a little different than the narrative of puerto rican like born and raised in on the island it provided a connection to the country that's been sovereign in puerto rico for the last hundred years that like has never really been there and i'm not necessarily saying that the sovereignty of the united states is good or bad over puerto rico i'm just saying that that was a connection like there was a connection there that i never had and and again, that's the power of representation, right? Like that. <laughs> so anyways, that's what that's what it meant for for me. I know we have to close. Um, and so I know we, we spoke a little too much on uh, Disney World and COVID at the beginning. But what did you guys learn? Did you learn anything? I learned that art is important, which is kind of bigger than what I learned specifically from Hamilton. I think I am one who's always inspired by live art even little bands at a coffee shop that are playing their own music there's something about live music plays musicals that inspires me and i think it's something that's worth investing in which i know there are dynamics of of wealth that make art accessible to some and not to others personally i see its its benefit in my own life. And I think the reason there was no moment to really pinpoint of when I was hit is because the whole experience really struck me that this is a beautiful piece of art and I'm touched. And so I, again, I just kind of left at the end thinking, man, this is, this is moving. This is touching. And for me personally, like this is important that I continue to put myself in spaces where I interact with art because it gives life. Yeah. That's a good point, David. I think I, I mean, there's lots that you learn from Hamilton because who knew that history? Not very many people, but just uh, that was one of the comments that I made at the end was like, this is art. Like, I don't say that a lot about a lot of some of even the shows I've seen on Broadway, really good, really, you know, but I've not ended with certain stuff, just looking at it going like, this is art, like feeling inspired and feeling like I just saw a whole different level of creativity. And like, I don't know, there's something super powerful about that. And that's the comment I made at the end was like, 
I don't even have words. This was just art. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. something I learned. It just was something that yeah. I really took away from it of just how powerful art can be when it's truly, truly art. Well, I was reminded, yeah, like I miss live theater. Uh, I miss, it reminded me, yeah, it was like a, like COVID sucks and I miss live theater. And it also made me love like Lin-Manuel even more um having seen in the heights i did see that one on broadway and Mm. loving that soundtrack um because that's just super fun and um you can see his growth as an artist and as a composer as a lyricist and all that grows from in from in the heights which is equally great well in its own way great and then hamilton just grows on that Mm. and um to see his growth as an artist is cool it's like hey what are you gonna come up with next um kind of stuff excited for future projects Oh, I think I have a lot of takeaways, so it's hard for me to communicate one. But I think one thing, at least the one that comes to mind right now that I took away is is something that we've kind of been talking about or around. And, and that's that history is largely based on your experience or your perspective. And so watching Hamilton, it caused me to think about um, what are the other perspectives of history or the other experiences that are not taught in history one or history two. And, you know, my education was very white and middle class. And with that comes that history, right? But there's so many, there's so many other experiences or perspectives or even sides of the story that I don't know about. And that's on me like to do that work. But it also made me think, I hope that our curriculum now, at least for you know, public school. And Marcos, maybe you know more about this, but I, I hope that the curriculum is being updated. I hope there are historians out there that are committed to telling the stories that have gone untold. And I hope that that can be something that as we retell history going forward, that there can be a better balance of how we communicate history to the next generation. I learned that like storytelling and art is a good medium to tell complex stories. And that like, there's just, just complexity. Like one of the things is I was reading some articles, one of the critiques and fact checking is that Hamilton was actually not as anti-slavery as the, the uh, musical portrays him to be. And so I think that there is a, there's a place and an importance to revisionism, you know, to to like, okay, let's, let's look at this again. You know what I mean? Let's look at this again, but, but rather than, Swing the pendulum in a one way or the other. Art is a good way of making us think and wrestle with the dichotomies that exist in people, in narratives, in stories. You kind of have to deal with that tension. You have to deal with that antagonism. You have to deal with the fact that these are things and and only in wrestling and practicing mindfulness and thinking through these things is that you can arrive at a place where you're where you're healthily comfortable and healthily uncomfortable with history i think there's more health in in just understanding that there's complexity and that there's and that you need to do something about it but that it's just never black or white polar opposites like it's never north or south east or west it's it's and i don't know that's that's what i was reminded of at a deeper level thank you friends you're welcome that got very heavy by the I end know, we got all serious i know good. i felt like it was a little bit psa <laughs> worth my disney plus subscription I couldn't I know, afford the two hundred dollar. Well, not even two hundred dollar. Hamilton even, it's like three something, and to get a good seat is even more than that. Like, 
Yeah, which but, if you're uh, gonna go, you want to like you might yeah, as well pay for the good seat. We're talking about like five hundred bucks for a good seat. Like, Oof. that's why I play the lottery. Ten dollars. Yeah, but we've never <laughs> won it. How many times have you entered it? Oh, a lot. Every day that I'm off, <laughs> I play that's it all the time. So, folks, I'm gonna end in a chipper <laughs> note. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. Honestly, watch it. It's super amazing. Get it's super Disney good. Plus subscription. Uh, get your Disney Eurovision. Plus subscription. Your yes. watch Eurovision. Watch Eurovision. Watch, watch, watch La Casa de Papel is awesome. Um, um, like as well. Critics. And what can we say? Can we plug in a Hulu show? Handmaid's Tale. So we can get I haven't Handmaid's watched Tale. Hulu I haven't watched it in a while. It's amazing. And then, an, is there a good Amazon show? Marvelous Miss Maisel. No. Marvelous Miss Maisel is also excellent. I don't think Amazon. Amazon needs our advertisement. I just want to right plug now. all the streaming services. So just in case anyone maybe, wants you know, to grab on. Net this is cross culturish. Brought to you by Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Disney Plus. I'm just casting my, my net wide. Quibi. What's the new one with the Q? Quibi. Is that yeah. Quibi? I think uh, Quibi. It is. Yeah, Quibi? I haven't seen. Oh, HBO Max is out there TikTok. right now. Watch. Okay. Just, all right, friends. And on that. And on adios. that. Adios. Peace out, y'all.